Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri. Thank you again so much for being here with me. Whether it's your first time listening or you've been listening for a long time, I'm really grateful that you're here and that you are here to spend some time with me. You know, I... I record these solo episodes, or really all my episodes, in my basement, usually like really early in the morning before my family's awake. Like right now, it's um, like 6.30 in the morning. And uh, I enjoy being alone, but I also really love to, while I'm recording, like like close my eyes and picture you as my listener uh, with your earbuds in listening. And it just really... uh, just really makes me happy. I love I love sharing this space with you. So today is an episode that's kind of a first part of a two-part series, kind of. <laughs> like it's not an official part one and part two, but today I'm going to introduce an idea. And next week, Liz from Real World NP and I are going to dive into one part of this idea. So the title of this episode is How to Avoid Hating Your Nurse Practitioner Job. And obviously, I see this enough that I had to make an episode about it. And I just really want to give you a little bit of a framework so that you can not end up in a job that you hate. Or if you start feeling like you hate your job, know what you can do aside from just finding a new job. Okay, so I see this in my community. I observe this in some of the large Facebook groups that I'm in for nurse practitioners where I get a lot of my research and ideas done because, you know, those groups have like tens of thousands of nurse practitioners and I can see what posts are popular because they have tons and tons and tons of comments. And something that is really common is people being unhappy with their job and asking for advice and what to do next steps to take, etc. So what I'm hoping that this episode and next week's episode help you with are recognizing that you can take responsibility for your support and that you have more control than you may think you have over your own circumstances. So this really comes from my hope for you and my kind of wish for you to find and identify not only mentors, but your support network, recognizing who is on your side, because I don't want you to wait for your career to happen to you. I don't want you to be like a victim of the job that you take. I really want you to be proactive, not only when it comes to finding your job. I know you've probably heard me talk a lot about being proactive in your job search, but I want to talk more specifically about being proactive in being happy in your career and in your job. So 
For today's episode, I'm going to use a framework that we use in nursing that you may be familiar with, and it's the prevention framework. So we're talking about primary prevention, secondary prevention, and tertiary prevention. And you may be familiar with this. I'm super familiar with it because I used it for the framework for my master's thesis 10 years ago in NP school. But basically, this is the model of prevention. And and primary prevention is basically the action we take to prevent disease or injury before it even occurs. So an example of this in the medical field is a vaccine. You give someone a vaccine before they've had an illness. You don't treat an illness with a vaccine. So let's dive into primary prevention when it comes to preventing job dissatisfaction. That's kind of the term that I'm going to use rather than saying, you know, job you hate, we're going to say job dissatisfaction. Now, This starts with a strategic job search, okay? And some would think that it starts during the interview process, but I actually want to back up and suggest that this starts with your search process, okay? So, you know, my question, my kind of rhetorical or hypothetical question is, are you thinking about what type of work environment or job setting is going to be something that is most supportive and satisfying to you and also fits into your lifestyle. I've used this example before, but if you want to be home by dinner time or be home to go to your kids' soccer games at night that are at 6 p.m., you know, are you going to be happy in a job where you work three or four 12-hour shifts, seven to seven or eight to eight. I don't think that's true. So you really have to, when you're doing your job search, really consider the different non-negotiables, you know, your wish list of what's going to make you happy in terms of your personal and lifestyle priorities, what's going to be fulfilling to you professionally, you know, like the patient demographic and the environment that you're going to be in. You need to consider those things and also, you know, the type of support that you're looking for in a practice. Do you want to be the only provider in a practice or do you want to be in an environment with others? And that answer is going to be different for everybody. But this is really early in your job search, this this process, arguably before you even start your job search, you can kind of hone in on non-negotiables or features of the job that you think will make you happy. Then during the actual hiring process, so let's say you get an interview, you know, this means asking your questions about those things that are important to you. For example, mentorship and support, especially if you are a new grad, I think those are really top things to consider, you know, what your orientation would look like. And really my number one tip to figure out if this is going to be a good fit before you start is asking for a shadow day or a shadow shift or a shadow couple of hours, because I really think that it's important to not just hear about the job from the people who work there, but to actually see the operation in progress. And this can really give you some powerful insight to the culture of the office, to the working environment, to the dynamics. And, you know, the dynamics are what kind of make or break your job satisfaction, I think. You know, of course, there's like how many patients you see and and those types of things, which can be answered in an interview. But 
in a shadow opportunity, especially if you're shadowing a peer, like someone who is also a nurse practitioner in the practice, that's your chance to really get a read out on, you know, are they happy working there? Are they respected? Are they supported, etc. So shadow day, highly, highly recommend. Psst. Hey there, my podcast loving friend. If you are a current or future nurse practitioner and you happen to be either in a job that you hate or you're looking for your first or next job, I have something very exciting and kind of secret to invite you to. It's a free private podcast mini series where I will be talking all about how to find, land, and love your nurse practitioner job. The three episodes will be released on January 26, 27, and 28 but you have to sign up so that I can send you the private link to the mini series. You can sign up now at theresumerx.com slash secret, or follow the link in the show notes for all the details, including how you can chat with me live during the week of this exclusive event. Again, the link to sign up is theresumerx.com slash secret. And once you sign up for free, by the way, you will get a link sent to you in your email, which will subscribe you to the secret podcast feed in your preferred podcast player. It's really cool, really easy, especially if you are a podcast listener, which I'm guessing you are if you are here listening to my podcast. So I can't wait to have you in the inner circle for this mini series. Again, head to theresumerx.com slash secret and sign up and I will be in your ears January 26th. The other thing that falls into primary prevention would be identifying mentors and kind of your supportive community as early as possible. And and this just isn't in the workplace, but also in your in your life outside of work. So this could mean having a pod of people who you graduated with where you all support one another and have a chat channel together. Or this could mean being a part of a community that's, you know, not affiliated with your work, whether it's an alumni group or or an on, you know, a group of people that you've met online, there are a lot of different ways that you can kind of be in community with others. And and mentors don't have to be older than you or more experienced than you. The power of peer support and going through an experience at a similar time can be really, really transformative. So I encourage you to be in community with your peers, particularly your nurse practitioner peers, in a safe, supportive way. Okay. And the third thing that you can do in the primary prevention way of of avoiding job dissatisfaction is taking care of yourself well outside of work, which looks differently for everyone. So I'm not going to prescribe that you need to do, you know, whatever amount of exercise every day or eat a particular diet or whatever. I'm not really here to prescribe what health means to you, but I want you to be proactive about identifying what self-care practices keep you in balance, whatever that looks like for you. Because whenever you are in balance, you are going to be less affected by stressors. So for some people, that means social activities. For some people, that means being alone. You know, for me, my kind of self-care practices that keep me in balance are coffee, (laughs) quiet time, like before my family is awake, like early in the morning, uh, meditation, listening to music jogging outside, 
there's a float tank that I like to go to. Like these are things that are not just important and fun for me, but I know keep my stress levels low. And when my stress level is low, then I'm less likely to kind of go down a mental spiral if I'm under pressure at work or these are things that are going to help me decompress when I am stressed or kind of bogged down with the decision fatigue that happens at work. So those are the three things for primary prevention to prevent job dissatisfaction. A strategic job search, identifying your people, your mentors and your community, and also taking care of yourself well outside of work. Now, secondary prevention in the traditional medical framework, the public health framework, secondary prevention includes actions that reduce the impact or progression of disease or injury that's already occurred. So this is like the treatment of a sexually transmitted disease with antibiotics, for example. This includes any sort of treatment that can stop something from getting worse after it's already been diagnosed. And the kind of analogous part of of this framework for what we're talking about today with job dissatisfaction is what to do when you start to dislike your job. So this is the part where you've already identified things that you don't like or that aren't fulfilling you or are leading to you being unhappy and identifying those and then what to do about it. And we are actually going to talk about this. We're going to take a deeper dive next week in kind of the part two of this episode, which is a talk with me and Liz Rohr from Real World NP. And we're going to talk about, uh, I hate my NP job, now what? So we're going to talk about this more. But to talk about it at kind of a higher level, basically, a lot of people assume that the only thing that you have control over is your, your place of employment, meaning that if you start to feel unhappy, the only solution will be to quit and start a new job. And what I want to challenge you to think is that that's not necessarily the only solution. So I see this a lot in the big public Facebook groups with the tens of thousands of NPs. Someone will pose a concern or talk about something that they're not happy with at their current place of employment. And within an hour, there will be 421 comments that say in all capital letters, run with five N's and 12 exclamation points. And this is kind of infuriating to me because that is not productive advice. That is terrible advice, actually. Caveat being there are always exceptions, like if anything going on is like illegal or unethical or dangerous or there's harassment, like anything like that is is a different story, okay? But if there's something that you don't like about your job or is less than ideal or something that you thought was going to be one way but is another way, like the answer isn't just to run. So next week, we're going to dive into the things that you can do before running, um, which, as we'll talk about in the next point here now, sometimes is the solution. Sometimes the answer is to find a new job. But I want to assure you that the answer isn't always to find a new job. And we'll talk about that more next week. But for now, I want to go into tertiary prevention. So tertiary prevention in the traditional public health framework means to soften the impact of long-term issues. Okay, tertiary prevention is like damage control or like palliative care. There might be treatments that will help improve the quality of life of someone with a disease, but we're not talking about medicine that's going to reverse anything or cure anything or even reduce the progression. Like 
you're kind of past the point of no return here. So we're talking about how to kind of improve or maintain quality of life as this inevitable disease progresses. So palliative care is a great example of this. So in the this framework that we're talking about for job dissatisfaction, this is kind of like if you have implemented everything possible for you to improve the situation in your current workplace, both at work and also through the out-of-work things that you can control, what do you do next? And oftentimes, if you are past the point of no return, like you've done what you can to make the situation better, sometimes the answer is planning your exit. But notice how I said planning your exit rather than quitting or running. Okay, because the last thing that you want to do is repeat the scenario and end up miserable in another job. Okay, I see this happen a lot. People are unhappy in the job that they have. They don't try to do any sort of secondary prevention. They decide to quit, but they don't take the time to identify why this job wasn't right for them and why they needed to find a new job. So they do the same thing to find the next job and come to find out they're miserable in the next job too. Now, I'm not going to place blame on anybody, but the problem isn't always the job itself standalone. The problem is often how well of a fit it is for you. So I don't want you to jump ship reflexively without a plan because you really need to reflect on how to prevent this problem from happening again right? Look back on your initial process of how you found and started this job. Are there any clues in hindsight? And this is where kind of this tertiary prevention transforms into primary prevention. Like your tertiary prevention for your current job is the primary prevention for your next job, okay? So look back on this initial process for how you decided what type of job you would be looking for. Look back on your interview process. Did you take the time to ask those questions? Did you go on a shadow experience? And, you know, it can take some time to find the right position and implement those primary prevention steps, right? So this is why I don't recommend quitting right away without a plan or strategy that's been put into motion because, Many of us can't afford to be without a paycheck for a long time. If you can, then that's fantastic. And and maybe you can do this a little bit differently, though you still would have some sort of potential work or benefit gap. But if you want to kind of maintain that security of employment and you quit your job because you hate it without a plan in place, you're going to end up potentially accepting a job that you haven't taken the time to make sure that it's a good fit for you. Okay. So I really recommend that if you get to the point where you need to resign or quit from your job, please take the time to plan your strategy and put it in motion for your job search moving forward so that this doesn't happen again. And sometimes it does. You know, sometimes these things are so out of our control, but I just want to make sure that you feel empowered to have control over as many things as possible so that you can end up in a job that you're that you're satisfied with at least you know for a period of time no job is ever forever and and plenty of nurse practitioners will have multiple jobs in their careers but i want to make sure that when you decide to leave you're you're leaving because of not necessity or or not because things have gotten past the point of no return but because you're interested in something new or you're moving on to bigger and better things. So, if you kind of implement this framework then hopefully you will have higher chances of finding that position that's 
right for you. So I hope that this has been helpful. I hope it wasn't too like academic with the prevention model. But when I realized how well these things lined up, I had to share it with you. So just to recap, we talked about primary prevention, which in the health model is preventing a disease or injury before it occurs. And in our scenario, we're going to take steps to prevent us from being unhappy in the job. So we're going to have a strategic job search. We're going to have mentors and have a community of people supporting us. And we're going to take care of ourselves well outside of work. Secondary prevention, which traditionally reduces progression or impact of a disease that's already occurred, is basically all the steps to take when you start to dislike your job before deciding to quit. And we're going to dive into that more in next week's episode. And then tertiary prevention is softening the impact of long-term issues from a disease, which in our case for this example is going to be basically planning our exit strategy because we've decided that we're past the point of no return and we want to soften the impact of something that we no longer have control over. So that means planning a strategic exit from our job so that we can put those primary prevention tools in place as we look for the next job. So I really hope that this has been helpful for you. If it has, I would love if you would screenshot uh, where you're watching and put it up on Instagram stories and tag me at the resume RX. Or if you have a colleague or friend who you think would benefit from this episode, would you maybe share this with them, send this to them, you know, in DMs or on email or something that would really be so helpful to me because... The more people who hear the show, the more people I can help. And that is really what I am here to do. So until next time, next week, we'll wrap up this little mini series by talking to Liz Rohr from Real World NP. So next week, we're going to be talking about I hate my NP job. Now what? I can't wait for you to hear that gem of an episode. So remember, I'm always rooting for you and I'll talk to you next week. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.